Hurry into Old Navy today and tomorrow to get jeans for the whole family on sale. Just $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Plus, starting today, redeem your super cash to save even more at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Super cash valid 6-3 to 6-11. Jeans valid 6-3 to 6-4. Select styles only. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express isn't real, you Lyle. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics, so get on board. Listen, learn, play. Welcome to the Coco Express Show for Wednesday, June 5th, 2013. I'm your host, Aurelia Lyles, and on today's show, we have something really interesting, a rare opportunity. We get to interview a person, a radio personality, who interviews others, so the interviewer is getting interviewed. How do you like that? Well, his name is Cayman Kelly, and he is currently Series XM um, radio personality for the Heart and Soul channel, and he is very interesting. His voice is amazing. Just wait and see. Cayman, you there? Hello. Hello. <laughs> no, Hello. I'm just How you doing? How you doing, Aurelia? I'm doing well, Cayman. I am so glad you're able to join us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm honored. You're welcome, and you are the right person to have, as this is um, Black Music Month, you know. It is. And it is, yes, and you are the man that we can come to to ask all these questions. But before we get into that, let's talk a bit about you, okay? You do more than just um, be a radio personality. You are also a voiceover person. Yeah, I'm a voiceover artist, yeah. and I do um, imaging for a bunch of radio stations across the country and some of the uh, television stations as well, mm-hmm. and I'm dipping and dabbing and trying to make it happen. Okay, so you're the voice, well, we've heard your voice on the Cartoon Network and TV One. Yeah, absolutely. So you do the intro. McDonald's, and yeah, do all the promo work. Oh, great, great, like, great, great. You know, when you watch Unsung, I do the promos for that coming up on TV One. Oh, so you're that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm that guy. I do that kind of stuff. Okay, that's amazing. So I need to know, how did you get started? How long do you have? Um, As long as you want. Okay, well, I'll give you the edited version. The, the way I got started is I always had a passion for music. And as a matter of fact, uh, my mom played piano, and she always wanted me to play piano. But, you know, back then, that was kind of taboo because all you saw was women play the piano. So I said, I don't want to play the piano. So we had one at home, and I learned how to play it on my own. So I kind of self-taught myself. And my love for music actually grew from that, and I started creating music. And from there, that led us to... um, well, me and some of my friends, we had a little music group, which kind of led us to a radio station. And we did a um, little theme song for one of the jocks on the air. And by then, you know, I'm in 10th grade. I'm 15 years old. And my voice is deep. 
which is like a rarity. So, so you know, like they said, man, your voice is amazing for you to be so young. And then someone hands me a script to read. And I read the script, and the rest was history. I fell in love with radio from that point. Oh. And that's how I got started. I always hung around it. And I went to college. I did college radio for a while, and then I went back to where I started and actually ended up on the air, and that was 1994. And it's just grown from there, and I've been doing it ever since. That is amazing, and that's excellent because your major was in communications? Yep, communications. So you You know are... what's funny about about going to college, though, and, and, and learning, is that it, it really didn't match exactly what I was already doing. They teach you more more book stuff about, you know, the law of communications and but it's nothing like actually being able to dive in and get the experience of actually doing it. It's very different from what they teach you, I think. They get, I believe they, because I'm a communications major as well, I think they give you more of a foundation. And you take yeah, it from there. Yeah, they do. You take it from really, there, whichever. It's kind of dependent upon the, um, upon the, uh, the program and the, and the tools that they actually give you access to mm-hmm. if you're able to do it. You know, because those books are, like, totally different. And I think a lot of the instructors instructors probably never even had an opportunity to do any of the um, the things that they're teaching you how to do. I agree with you on that one because I agree with you because <laughs> I've had some professors. <laughs> I'm like, I agree with you there. They would just, Yeah, because it's like, know? when did you do something like that? And then you sit back and you listen to, um, I remember when people used to show up you know, like when they have the little career days and stuff like that, and folks would come in. They say, "I used to sit in those same seats that you're sitting in, and believe me, I've tried to get radio jobs, and it's just not that easy." Which is true, it's not. But don't come in and belittle the students that's sitting there trying to learn, and you know they have goals and aspirations and dreams. And of course, it is a struggle because there's a lot of competition in it, and some people get a job and they stay there forever. You know, like until they pass away. Yes, yes. You know, so. Like they said. But it can be done. Yeah, getting into the union, I used to hear, you know, it's like, oh, no, no. You got to wait for somebody to die before you could be in the union. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good news is people do die every day, so. (laughs) Yes, and there are people getting into the union every day. (laughs) Right, exactly. And you know the funny part that you mentioned the union. I had a, a friend of mine who's been doing um, radio imaging for years and years, and um, he used to always tell me every time I saw him, he said, "Man, you need to be doing something with those pipes of yours." And I said, "What I need to do?" Because you know I had no clue, nor would anybody steer you in the right direction because they probably view you as competition. And the only thing that he would ever tell me is that. You need to join a union first. And that was it. <laughs> so, I mean, this is all I had to go off of for years and years and years. So, you know, me as a person, I'm always willing to help anybody who's coming up mm-hmm. and, you know, who's interested in radio or voiceovers because it's fun. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to believe that you actually get paid to do something that you enjoy because most people hate their jobs. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know some people who really don't like what they're doing. And you have the rare opportunity to be able to do something that you love and enjoy. And that's yeah, absolutely. 
now. Okay, now, you have had the opportunity to interview and um, be around some of the most talented artists. My question is, what is the most positive musical experience you ever had? The most positive musical experience? Hmm. Do you mean uh, listening to a particular song or or watching someone perform? Either or, or both. I don't, I don't know, man. I have to think about that one for a long, hard time. I've been against so many people, but I will tell you that I've heard some 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 songs that have tugged on my heartstrings, if you will, and one in particular. I found a song years ago. It wasn't that long ago, but some some few years ago, and a, a label rep was working this particular song, and um, they was trying to push this song mainstream. And you know, the format that I do is is Urban AC, which is kind of adult, is what they call it. And um, when he I said, "Man, you working any new records?" He said, "I mean, now nah, we pushing something mainstream, but I mean, I give you a copy of it." So I took the um, I took the album, well, a, a song, CD, and I held on to it. And when I got to my office, I popped it in and I listened to it because I like to listen to stuff because I, I like to find new things that people are not up on. And when I listened to this song, I said, man, this song is amazing. And I kept listening to it over and over and over again. And when people would come by my office, I said, man, listen to this song for me real quick. They said, ah, oh, that's a good song. So, you know, uh, one of the things that we always did at XM was to expose some of the artists that weren't getting exposure. It wasn't always about the song that that was on the chart at that particular time mm-hmm. and who else was playing what. But I really felt this song because it, it, it was speaking volumes. You know, it said it was called The River, and it was by Noel Gordine. Okay. And I started playing this song, and I played it a year before anybody got a hold of it. And Steve Harvey heard me playing this particular song, and he took it and ran with it. And, and you know, and this this guy got his exposure like a year later, but he was a very talented artist, and this song was, that song was something deep. Are you familiar with that particular song? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that song was the truth, and I would answer the phones, and people would always say, Oh man, where can I find this song? You know, and I I remember talking particularly particularly to one lady who said that she played that song for her father every day. He was in the hospital in intensive care, and she said that song actually helped him to get through. So you know, I always say music is a very very powerful tool. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's healing, and if, and if you look at the history of music, you see that. Music had healing properties years and years and years and many moons ago before we even thought about. So music is, is, is something else. I've actually sat down and listened to songs, and, you know, you, it just takes you to different places when you listen to them. And you can remember where you were when the song came out, the clothes you used to wear, mm-hmm. you know, how your hair was done. <laughs> music yeah. is incredible. Yeah. I've sat down and listened to songs and cried, you know. Now, That's my business, though. You know, it's a secret. <laughs> it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was your first purchase? My first purchase mm-hmm. was um, 
Anita Baker's Rapture album. Okay. On vinyl. Okay. There wasn't no CDs then. It was no. on vinyl. I took my, because you know what's funny? is I've never been really disciplined with money. And my dad used to give me money, and it was it was for lunch. You know what I'm saying? It was supposed to be for lunch, but I would go buy records and stuff with it, and I just wouldn't eat until he until he got onto what I was doing. But uh-huh. I loved music that much. And then the second one I bought was Vanessa Bell Armstrong, and my mom used to sing that song "Peace Be Still" in church. Okay. Mm-hmm. Put the put the nickel on the needle so the record don't budge. That's right. You remember that too. My first you don't know was about that. my first was Michael Jackson off the wall. Ooh. Now see I had an older cousin that used to live with us. She used to buy those albums. <laughs> I was still a little kid when those came out. But I do remember listening to those. Yes. What my... about uh what about the Sugar Hill gang, Rapper's Delight? Did you have oh, that on fight? Yes. <laughs> Ooh, I used to wear that thing out. I had never heard nothing like that. I said a hip hop, a hip to the hip, and a hip hip hop. hop and you don't stop the rocket to the bang bang boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to be. That's you don't know right. nothing about that. Oh yes, I do know something, something. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I know I went all off of what you asked me, but no, that's okay. <laughs> We're talking music, and you are the music man. Now, okay, you 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 mentioned your first purchase. Now, what was your favorite music era, or what is your favorite music era? My favorite is the '90s. I love New Jack Swing. Okay. That's that's the one that that I really recall the most listening to. And Teddy Riley Teddy was like Riley, my favorite yeah. producer. Teddy Riley, and you had oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, don't give me the singing no guy song. You know, because back when when they came to the New Jack Swing era, there was cassette tapes mm-hmm. and cassette singles, and I still remember like purchasing it because I ain't had no whole lot of money back then either. But I purchased the uh, cassette singles. They used to get three for nine dollars, or even uh, uh, one for three seventy five, or something like that. <laughs> so I would buy me three. H <laughs> Town was one of my favorite groups. Jodeci, of course, and I'll be sure when they was coming out and Keith Sweat. Woo-wee! Yeah. Now, you know, back then, you think about music during that period. It wasn't iTunes and stuff where you could actually select what you wanted to listen to. No, you had if to buy a whole If it didn't come out on a single, you had to buy the whole album. Mm-hmm. And you listened to it. So now, you know, now music has changed so much that people are very selective and, and, and people's attention spans are a lot shorter. Because you don't listen to whole whole things anymore. You pick and choose what it is that you want. That's true. Now, you've interviewed some really dynamic artists like Jamie Foxx and um, you, personalities like Monique, Jennifer Hudson, Janet Jackson, Babyface, Mary J. Blige. Now, who were you most excited to meet? Um... I don't know, because, you know, I mean, even meeting them with all the accolades and stuff, they're just regular people to me. You know, I see so many people all the time, and we sit down and have conversations. We talk, and a lot of those people are just, you know, they're my friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we pick up the phone and have regular conversations. I call them just like I call anybody else. 
but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think years ago I met Patty LaBelle, and I was really, really excited about that. You know, because I was just starting out in radio. I just graduated. This was in probably like '94, and she came in, and the um, lady that was on the air, she was so nervous that she didn't know what to ask Patty. She said, "Please <laughs> help me with some questions." And I said, "Cool." You know, and she but she was so cool and she was so genuine. And then recently, you know, since we got the social media age, mm-hmm. somebody uh, hit me on Twitter. And I had to, you know, like I looked people up to see if they legit. But it was this guy uh, named Ephraim. So I looked Ephraim up. And he's actually Patty LaBelle's bodyguard. And he said she listens to my show every day. He said she loves you, man. She checks you out. And I'm like, wow. You know, I'm just blown away by stuff like that. Because, I mean, you know, you never view yourself like other people view you. I'm just doing a job. I'm having a good time at it. I don't, I don't, I don't consider myself to be a celebrity or anything of that nature but it's just amazing to me when people of that magnitude actually love you and they listen to you i heard that sharon stone listens to my show i'm like sharon stone you talking about the lady from basic instinct sharon stone (laughs) (laughs) like yeah i said gosh that's amazing to me but that means that you are good at what you do and what do you love most about what you do? What's the favorite? We are your favorite part. Oh no. Okay, we uh, just lost our connection with Cayman, and we will have him back momentarily. Let's see if we can get him back right away. I'm enjoying myself so much, and. This is just part of the things that we have to deal with because, you know, live radio can be a chore and a task, and we can manage it because you guys are the bomb, and you guys stick with me always. So we're going to be dialing, and hopefully, don't mind the noise. Hopefully, we can get him back in. Hello? Hi, it's Aurelia. We lost the connection. We're back. Let's connect back in. Hold on. Okay. So, as we um, um, move forward while we're bringing Cayman back onto the uh, the show, I am just so happy and pleased. This is just a great interview, and he is a lot of fun, and I'm enjoying this. And uh, Wednesday is today, so Saturday we will have. Uh, Real Estate Straight Talk, and we're going to have a member from the Delaware REA, and that's the Delaware REA, it's the Real Estate Investment Association. Uh, We have someone else on the line at the moment. Can you, uh, let's see who this is. Hello? It's me. Oh, you're back. Hello. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Good old technology. (laughs) Yeah, it does what it does. Yeah. What were you talking about? I forgot what question you had asked Oh, I had asked you, what do you love most about your job? What's the most favorite part? Oh, yeah, I was saying that, um, you know, I think just the the music overall and being able to help some of the artists that don't, um, you know, I mean, a lot of independent artists and being able to help them out and find a way to their audience and, and, and just overall all the people that I get to meet, the listeners and the the uh, celebrities 
everybody. It's just a good time. And then I feel really great about being a blessing to someone else's life. You know, when they um they call me and they say, man, you helped me out today when you said blah, 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 blah. Cause I always try to remain positive in everything that I do so I can, you know, like let my light shine through what I do. I always tell my mom, I said, I think my radio show is like a, is, is a ministry for me. <laughs> You're healing folks. Yeah, yeah, I'm healing folks, you know. It's good. And your voice is laying hands on them, right? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about being part of such a big station like Sirius XM? I feel really good about it. It's cool. Because, um, I mean, you know, it's something that I, I've worked for. Of course, I never knew satellite technology would exist. But, you know, just starting out in radio. Um, of course, I started out in, in D.C., which is, is, a, is a top ten market. So, I mean, it's always been a, in a huge blessing and just having an opportunity to do such a great thing. And then my um, attorney at the time, she called me one day, and I'll never forget it. I was driving. And she said, uh, she said, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving, about to go home. And she said, uh, she said, when can you go over to BET to do an interview? And I said, you know, it kind of scared me a little bit, you know, because I got nervous. I started making excuses. I said, um, you know, I could probably get over there like next week, maybe uh, Thursday or something like that. She said, all right, well, I'll tell them you'll be over there tomorrow. What time? I said, oh, my God. So I had to do it, you know, so I, I felt compelled to do it. So um, she kind of actually was instrumental in, in birthing what became my um, satellite radio show because I ended up working at BET, which provided a um, third-party channel for XM. And um, that only lasted for about a year. And I, I could never understand why I ended up there because it was a, you know, I don't want to bad talk anybody, but it was like one of the worst experiences that I've ever had in my life. Oh. But but from there, you know, sometimes, I'm going to tell you like this. If you, you know, sometimes when you're in situations, you can never see why you're there. And then it starts to make sense after a while, you know, as all the puzzle pieces start to come together. Mm-hmm. Because voiceovers was something that I always desired to do, and like I told you, nobody would help me. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And um, ironically, me being at BET and doing a radio show there, we had meetings with the TV people. So I met a bunch of people in creative services, and and they said, "Can you do this for us? Can you voice this for us?" And I said, "Yeah." And you know, I would start voicing things for them, which ironically ended up being the birth of my voiceover career as well as a satellite radio show. How about that? That is. <laughs> and then I started being the, um, the the network voice of BET and then BETJ. And I'm like, wow, I did this. I had like three different contracts all at the same time. You were the man with ten jobs, my <laughs> <laughs> right. Now I got more. And, and, you know, like I never feel like I'm busy enough because, you know, I mean, when you're out and you're doing your own thing, you constantly got to keep them pots boiling because if I don't work, I don't eat. Yes. <laughs> it ain't like no vacation no more. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, but you asked me how I like my, my satellite radio, how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I feel grand because I've grown with the technology. And, you know, when we first started out, 
when the whole BET Uptown thing went defunct like a year later, I went back to um, FM radio for a couple, maybe like a year and a half or so. Mm -hmm. But the blessing that came out of that was, you know, some nights I was been crying in, in the basement. I'm like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? I had just got married, and I had just had a house built. And I spent the night in the house before I felt, I mean, before I found out that the job was about to fold. And I was like, oh, Lord. And I promised myself that I would never be in a situation like that ever again. You know, where, where somebody had that much control over me mm. that when they pulled the plug, I had to suffer from it. You know, so and from that point on, I knew that I had to do something because I had to take care of my wife. And then we started having kids. And then I got three children to be responsible for as well. You know, so I said, man, I got to do something, and I got to do something now. So I found this guy that was willing to help me, and um, I trained underneath him for about a year. And he said, man, you got potential to be one of the best in the business because you're a great mimic. You can mimic what other people do. And, um, you know, I mean, it was a struggle. because, And then I got signed to an agency, Don Buckwall Agency. And when I first signed to them, I was doing less work than I was doing on my own. But it took a while to get there, you know, because I had to go to auditions and I had to keep doing things and doing things. And then you finally start to get your name out. And then people are like, oh, let's use him. You know, so so it's been it's been an amazing journey. Of course, it has its ups and downs just like anything else does. And I don't know how I got over here, but I'll give you that for free. But the um, the the, uh, the the thing that I feel about satellite radio, this is what I was saying, my point was, when I got to XM, I remember when they got a million subscribers. I still remember that day, wow. and that was a big deal. It was a million subscribers, and since the merger, they're up to about 24 million people. Yes, I remember the merger. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I don't want to say too much about that because that kind of hurt my feelings, too, in the <laughs> beginning. Because I watched a lot of people that I came up with at XM, they lost their jobs. Yeah, I know somebody who had a show on XM, and he kind of got the the boot. And I was sad because I would listen to his show as well. So I remember the merger quite well. Yeah, I mean, I've never I've never experienced anything like that before. But when it actually took place, and I found out who was leaving, I, I just remember sitting down and I cried. I cried like a baby. That hurt my feelings so bad. Then I was I was sitting on the air, and I could turn around and look in the um, studio behind me. And, I mean, these are people that I joked with. I played with them all because we got 82 studios in the building. And we would turn around. You know, I'd run across the hall because I joke all day long. And I would go across the hall and, and joke with him and come back in and do my breaks. And then I'd turn around, and his chair was empty. It was just almost like he had passed away or something. And I could I could not even talk on the air. It hurt me that bad. We might be thinking about the same person. <laughs> we might be. We just might be. We, we might be thinking about the same person. Yeah, and some of those times was like the best times in the world. Because, you know, coming from FM radio where they tell you what to do, you know, what you're going to play and all that kind of stuff, I used to dream about going to work when I got to XM. It was like I had found a dreamland. So this is, would you say that being with XM is your dream job? Yeah, it is. It's like the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. 
you know, just from being able to, because I'm a creative brain person, so not being able to be expressive is like a killer to me. Did you ever see that movie that Samuel L. Jackson was in called 187? Yes, I When he was a teacher, and he told that dude when he came in to kill him, mm-hmm. he said, you can't kill me. <laughs> you can't kill me. You know why? And the boy said, why? He said, because I'm already dead. I was a teacher, and you took that from me. And I remember that. That's how I feel. You know, like if I wasn't able to be creative, that's exactly how I would feel. I'd feel like somebody killed me because it's it's hard. You know, and and the funny thing is, and I can say this now because um, over the past few years, you know, somebody wrote out my goals for me one time. And when I sat there and looked at it, I'm like, these aren't my goals. And I had to tell them that these aren't my goals because a lot of people don't know what it is that you desire as a person. You can't do what I'm thinking. You know, so for him to write out my goals, he he wrote that, you know, like, I want you to move up to the next, because I did programming. So I want you to move up to the next such and such and such and such. And I told him, I said, you know, like, I have to be honest with you. I said, I've never desired to be in management and manage anyone else. I said, man, all I wanted to do was be on the radio and be creative and talk to people. I could care less about being in management, you know, and I don't know how people can't really. I know I, I get it because it's a business culture, mm-hmm. and, you know, and people always desire to when they work a job, they want to move up to the next level. I understand that, but that's not me, and I'd rather do something that makes me happy, that I enjoy. I don't want to just be posturing when I go to work every day. I hate Like I'm just it. here just doing this, and I hate it. I hear that because that is what's wrong with the world right now. A lot of people are just doing what they have to do, what they feel they have to do, not what they Mm want to do, not what they love to do. Now, you live by a quote, and it's uh, a thought is a thought until placed into action. Mm -hmm. You got to go at it to gain some satisfaction. And is that what you is that what you're doing now? That's what I'm doing every day. You know, my, my goal every day is to to meet someone new and to make a new contact cuz you know the network is the strongest thing that you have while you if you're building something mhm you know and, and my thing that I've been telling people you know a lot of people come to me a lot of younger people come to me and ask me about voiceovers all the time because it is something that's easy to do but like I told you earlier there's a lot of competition in it cuz you got celebrities that compete in the voiceover world now people that's actors and actresses so um, they always ask me, you know, like how can how can we um, how can we break in and how can we do this? How can we do that? And I tell them, you know, like the the, the key is to get yourself out there and you meet people. And I said you can never look down on anybody in the world, regardless of whatever they do, because you never know what that person may become. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's somebody yeah. like, say, for instance, somebody at my agency that's answering the phones now. You're nice. You have to be nice to that person. That person that's answering those phones now will move up to be the next agent. That'll be the one that helps you out in your career. You know? These yeah. things go full circle. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and the network is the only thing that you have, and it's strong. And don't think for one minute that just because somebody's doing one thing now that they'll always be doing that. 
Nico had preach. Preach. Mm-hmm. Look at Oprah. <laughs> Oprah's a prime example. Oh, indeed. Indeed. You think about them dudes that treated Oprah like trash when they was dating her. How they, <laughs> how they feel now? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Oprah, remember me? Mm-mm. I sure don't. <laughs> Now tell me, what was the most um, fun experience you had while on radio or or being at a live show or something? Because I saw a YouTube video of you, and that was kind of funny. What was it? With Charlie Wilson. Oh, man, me and Charlie have a ball every time we see each other. We have a good time. I've... um, most recently, Fantasia and I were hanging out, and I, I sang. We took it to church. I had this Avery Avery Sunshine, is an artist that I know, and she happened to be in the building on the same day, and she was sitting in uh, against the wall, and we were talking about church. My dad's a pastor, so, you know, I grew up in church. Like all those days when people used to come knock on the door and say, can you come out and play? And I'm like, no, nah, I got to go back to church. <laughs> so, you know, like I know church. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about church, and her grandmama was a pastor. So, you know, we, we we was really into it. She said, you know, church is all over you. And and I called Avery up, and we bust out into a song. First she sang, and Fantasia cried. So, you know, like it's like those those like amazing moments that you could never script. That's the type of stuff that I love about this type of radio that I do. You know, I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to her, and we're joking. We're having a good time. Then I call her up to play the piano, and she sang this song, Safe in His Arms, and the whole mood of the room just changed. And then Fantasia was crying and told her, you got to sing some more of that. And then later on, I sang a song with Fantasia. So we had, man, I just, I mean, I love it. I love it. And then one time when Lettucey was performing, and I, uh, this guy came in, and he asked me, um, I think it was one of her, her management team guys or something. I didn't know him, but I know her. And um, he told me how I was supposed to structure the show. And I said, yeah, okay. You know, I, I heard him, but I wasn't really listening to him because you can't come in and tell me what to do. You know, I, I'm the one that's doing this. So when I felt like I was finished, then I was finished. But what we did didn't feel like it was completed to me for some reason. It just didn't really sit right with me, so I kept talking. And then I said, you got another song that you want to give us? She was like, um, yeah, would you guys like another? And everybody started saying, yeah, and they was applauding. And she broke out into this song. And she said, I wrote this one for God. This is when I was first starting out. And she played this song, and the whole place was set on fire. And ironically, that that night before, I was talking to um, Kenny Lattimore on the phone, and he happened to be in D.C. that that night. And I said, man, I said, come by the studio tomorrow. So he came. Nobody knew he was in there. He was sitting in the front row. And um, when I got up and spoke, Lettucey hugged me, and she said, and thank you for believing in me. She said, because it takes one person to get the ball rolling, and you were that person. And then I called, um, and we hugged, and, and I just felt so much love in the room. And I called Kenny Lattimore up, and Kenny said, whew, what do I say after something like that? And I said, man, when you come up here, sing a song. Sing a song. Man, that boy sang this song. It, it, man, I swear, the hardest dude would have cried off of this thing. <laughs> he sang this, this song, and people, 
you know, that, that don't even act like we do, you know, from our culture, they felt it. I saw a guy pull his glasses off, and he was wiping tears out of his eyes. Okay. So, you know, those type of experiences, that's the type of stuff that I love. I love it. That's excellent. That's amazing. Now, you've watched the music industry evolve and transform. What are your thoughts about its evolution and where we are now as to where we've come from? You know, I I really, I don't like what it's become, and I'll tell you why. Because, um, well, put it this way, I think some of it can be great, you know, because people do have more choices and they have uh, uh, many different channels that they can channel into to be exposed to different things. But the thing that I dislike about it, you know, how it's changed over the years, is that, you know, the artists have suffered as a result of, the new form of, of, of distributing music and selling music of people bootleg stuff now. It's just not as protected as it used to be. And you can watch how the sales of things have started to dwindle down. When years ago, for someone to be number one on a chart, you had to sell a million albums. I mean, they had big numbers up on the charts. Now you sell 20,000 units and you're up to number one. I'm like, man, what is that all about? <laughs> And then you got all of these people out, and nobody supports these artists like they used to. I went to see Ron Isley not too long, Isley Brothers not too long, and the place was empty. Really? I'm like, wow. Yes, it was seats. They could have had it at a high school. Uh-huh. And, I mean, this dude got hits. He was here. I was like, woo! You know, this is like one of them shows, and you just in there like, oh! Woo! I forgot that thing right there. You know, it's just. They just don't get the support, and, and a lot of people, when they when these artists put out albums, they don't even know they're out, you know, because you got people my age, we ain't searching for nobody. If you don't put it in our face, we not looking for it. Yeah. We got too much other stuff to be involved with. I'm taking care of kids. I ain't looking for nothing else. That's, that, take, that consumes me. That is just, it's that's sad, and it's true. You, you're absolutely right. It's it, But how can we make it change how how do you make it change or do you think because of youtube and and all these other venues that makes it even more difficult yeah ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) (laughs) you missed it (laughs) no but these i mean you got people like that that's ignorant that's to create new celebrities it's amazing Mm -hmm. to me i'm like what in the world i'd be trying to think of stuff to say and put something on there so somebody will find me (laughs) but um I guess you know. I guess there's there's no real solution to it because when technology changes, you just have to grow with it. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I, 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 some of the artists that's coming up now that I, I run up against, and I always tell them, you, you when you sign, even to a label, you know, when you get a record deal, that don't mean they're gonna do anything for you. And I told Noel when I first met him, he said, "Man, you don't know how long I wanted to be on your show." And I said, "Well, why weren't you?" You know, because I reached out to you, and, you know, you're responsible for yourself. You're responsible for your own career. Nobody's going to drive you like you drive yourself. You know, you just can't sit back. I'm signed to an agency. I don't sit back and wait for them to do stuff for me. I'm going to go out and try to make it happen. I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet some people. Can I do anything for you? Because that's the way I survive. So you've got to have some kind of drive. So when that artist puts out a, a song, 
you know, and I mean, you have so many outlets that you can market from now because social media didn't exist back then. So you had to be on that grind. You had to hit them streets. And, um, you know, and speaking on that, record people don't even sell you the product the same way they used to. Everything sends you an email. They don't even come by anymore. I'm going to send you an email with an MP3 on it. It's not the same thing. What happened to those days when you used to go out and get something to eat and sit down and talk? You know, people listen to you when you feed them. It's some delicious <laughs> chicken, baby. What else you got? <laughs> Stuff ain't like that no more. You rarely see anybody anymore. Yes, that is true. That's really true and quite interesting. But if you if you had the opportunity to um, give advice to to new artists or to just new people entering the business in whatever aspect they're entering in, what would you say? I tell them just that. What I just said, you know, like I think you have to be responsible for you because it's your goals, it's your dreams, it's your desires, and, you know, and surround yourself with people that's like-minded, like, you know, thinks the same way that you do because if you hang around negative, you start to act negative. So I make sure I surround myself with positive people that, you know, like they got my best interests at heart and we can move as a unit because I think too many times people try to do things on their own, but you really can't. Everybody needs somebody at some point, you know. So that's 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 what I would say to anybody in any kind of business that you want to get into. You need support. That's the best thing in the world is to have a support group. You look at it. I mean, it's evident for people in Alcoholic Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Weight Watchers. That's the best way to do anything is to have somebody to hold you accountable for what you do. Amen. Amen. All right now. Okay. You ain't got to say amen. I know I'm right about it. <laughs> yes, and I know that, but it's so true. And you're keeping it real. And that makes a lot of sense because oftentimes we're so busy looking for looking over our shoulders for approval. Mm-hmm. And That's the truth. And you know what, Aurelia, now that you mentioned that, there's a lot of times you can't share your dreams with everybody. You know, because, I mean, you got so many people that will change your thought process because they shoot you down because they feel like you can't do it. And some things do seem like they're unachievable. Shoot, I went through that with my parents. When I when I got into radio, you know, uh, they was like, oh, when are you going to get a real job? You need to buy a car. You know, and I would tell my dad constantly, I said, man, trust me. I know what I'm doing with this. I know where I'm going. Even though there's a lot of struggles that, it, that, was, that I was involved with, and I don't mind admitting to it now. You know, because it was embarrassing being a college grad and, and working in a top ten market. I made $6 an hour for my first job, and they paid me for four hours a day. That's inhumane, and I worked all day. <laughs> that ain't right. You shouldn't do people like that. And, you know, like eventually I think you'll pay for that, for treating people like that. But, see, it, it wasn't really their fault when you look back at it. It was my fault because I accepted it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like I always felt like I had to start somewhere, and which is true. You do have to start somewhere. You start to have to prove yourself. But I tell people that's coming up in the business now is that wherever you start, you can't stay there. You have to grow beyond that. And the reason why I say that is because when you start somewhere, them people already know what you're going to take because they're going to jerk you over most of the time. It's just a business culture. 
So, you know, recently, and, I, you know, I can tell you this, I'm going to be honest about it because I had been praying for years, and I was scared to do it. I was scared to step out on my own, you know, even though I was I was doing my voiceover stuff, and, and I got the courage. My wife would always encourage me, why are you going to work every day? You don't need to be doing that because I was making enough money to sustain myself at that point, but I was just kind of scared to step out and do my own. I said, what if this stuff starts folding up? You know, at least I got my stability in my, my nine-to-five job. But do you really have stability when you work a nine-to-five job? No. No, because they can, <laughs> they can get rid of you anytime they get ready. That's right. Usually you're an at-will employee. So, you know, I mean, my prayer was that I, I give me the courage that I can step out on faith and, and do what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And that's what I did. And I don't regret a thing about it, you know, because it enables me to spend more time working on myself. Uh, you know, I can be a better father because I can just pick my kids up. I can spend more time with them. I can have dinner done. I don't have to rush every day. I'm right here in my house. I can broadcast my show from here, and I can do my voiceovers here. And that, I play with my children here. That is, That's the good part about it because you have a life. And some people are all about work, and they don't have that. And those are the ones that work the 9-to-5 gigs. They don't yeah. have what you have, and that's important. Now, what do you do in your spare time? What are your hobbies? I don't have no spare time. I told you I got children. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, every waking moment, then I got this one that's about to turn three in, in, um, next week, June 12th. Man, that joker, I put him to bed at nighttime, and he'd be sitting in there singing and clapping. He takes forever to go to sleep. And, you know, and I'm trying to be um, a, a good husband, too, so I got to sit and listen to my wife talk about her day and and everything. So, you know, like I stay I stay up a lot because you know, that's really like the only time I get to myself is late at night, and I come and exercise and do stuff like that. But I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> I don't really have a a hobby. I used to like to draw and play music, but I do like to create things. So I, I, sometimes I just sit and, and do some production or something like that. I do enjoy doing stuff like that and just being, you know, like and I'm working on a, um, a television show now, too. So I've been formatting that with the help of some, some great-minded people. So hopefully that will be coming to fruition real soon. Okay. So you like to create. That's your hobby, being creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, because some people like to watch basketball. I mean, you know. Yeah, I think one thing when I said, you know, like I have a lot of plans for when the kids get a little older. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll start doing some stuff because I swear I thought I would have a lot more time than I do. But the days pass by so fast. I wasn't mad when Mary J. Blige put out twenty five eight. I said, "Ooh, we get an extra hour and a day." <laughs> Shoot, I uh, love that man. I would love something like that. Yeah, well, what would you do with that extra hour and a day? Who knows? It'd probably be something. It's just like making more money. You spend more, <laughs> so I'd probably be doing more work. Yes, indeed. You know what's funny, Aurelia? Not to cut you off, I apologize, but oh, that's okay. I, I was I was talking to someone earlier about how life has changed and it's so different from when I grew up to now that my kids are growing up. You know, you look at the sports. I said, I played sports. I played football. We went to practice like once or twice a week. 
Now these kids play uh, uh, um, football or basketball or something. They practice almost every day. Yeah. They play games on Saturdays and Sundays. And Saturday, Sundays was like off limits back in the day. You played all your games on Saturday, and that was it. These kids only had time to study. No. And then the poor parents, Lord have mercy, they run them to death. I was one. My daughter ran track, and it took us all over the country, as well as my Saturdays would be at the track meet starting at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we'd be getting in about 8 o'clock at night. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. It's hard. It's some yeah. kind of difficult. So you know, and like you kind of lose yourself. I said, man, I saw one of my uh, neighbors the day I was walking this morning. He said, he said, where are you going? I said, man, I'm just walking. I was enjoying because the weather was beautiful. He said, what are you walking for? I said, man, I'm just trying to be healthy. You know, just give you a little peace of mind. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm about to play golf. I said, oh, I like to play golf. And you know, like, and that's something that I've always desired to take some golf lessons. Mm-hmm. And some of the biggest deals made on the golf course. So one day I'm gonna I'm go and take me some golf lessons. Maybe that'll become one of my hobbies. Okay. I've been talking about that. It's an interesting. It's an interesting sport. I can put it that way. But you can get really sore. I was sore well, for two days. Two days I was sore. <laughs> well, that's until you get going, you know. Because I know Tiger don't be sore no more. No, no. <laughs> I'm quite sure you'd be sore with anything when you first start out. I'm not at Tiger's level. I, I'm just a novice. <laughs> so you play? I've played, um, but I like to run. That's my thing. Oh, do you? So that's like your hobby? Yes, yes. You gather your peace of mind when you go outside and run. Yes, yes, especially where there's water and and grass and trees. That street running is not for me. Oh, yeah. How often do you get to run on the water? On the water? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to see if you caught that. Like on the water? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we don't run on water. We run How alongside. often do you get to run? Well, my schedule is a little crazy, but I do get out there on Saturdays, and I try to get out at least at least twice during the weekday. In the morning before uh, everything gets started or in the evening? Nah, in the evening because in the morning I'm rolling out the bed reluctantly every morning. <laughs> Oh, you don't like to get up? No, especially if it's comfortable and I'm having, like, a really nice dream, so. Oh, Lord. Yes, yes. Do, do your dreams always, do, do your dreams make it to the end? Yes, some of them do, and sometimes I get mad. <laughs> <laughs> I swear every time I have a quote-unquote good dream, I try to get back in it, but I can't. I need yeah. to learn how to control dreams. But do you they say there's some way that you can control them. Can you control your dreams? Yes, I can. There's some that I can make happen over again. But then there's some that I want to make happen over again and it just can't. And that's when I get mad. Oh, I see. I see. I get <laughs> it. Say no more. Yeah. The ones where I'm, like, shopping, you know, and I'm not paying anything. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That is a dream. Yes, yes. I have <laughs> I had one dream where I was talking to somebody and they were giving me this box and the box had some jewelry in it and they was they didn't want anything. They just said, Here, this is yours and I'm like, Why? And they were like, This is yours and I kept wanting to have that dream over and over again. 
Okay. So you know and if you go back into that dream, you'll soon see that nobody gives you anything without a price tag on it. They I, wanted something. Well, in this dream, he didn't want anything. He just wanted me to have what was in the box. Yeah. Do you know what was in the box? It was some jewelry. Yeah, that's what you think was in the box. The junk was in the box. <laughs> <laughs> How was he holding the box? With his hand out, palm up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> palm up. Okay. <laughs> Next time you hear that dream, look inside the box before you take it, okay? Okay, I will, and I'll let you know what was in the box. Okay, let me know what was in the box. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> if you didn't know that man, you don't accept nothing like that. Okay, I remember that. But it was a dream, and I could get out of it. <laughs> okay. In the so real do you world, believe that dreams actually have some, some type of reality to them? I do believe that dreams have reality to them, or they have some significance. They're trying to tell you something. Yeah. Can you can you interpret them? In some instances, yes, because I had one particular instance where the I was told in my dreams to get up and put something in my bag. So I, I got up and I put the thing in my bag, and little did I know that later on that day, that was the one thing I was going to need. Huh. So what is it with you to bear in the bags and the boxes and stuff? <laughs> I I don't know. I like carrying things. <laughs> I see. Bags and boxes. Yeah, yeah. Contain you know, things. Yeah, I don't know if you know about Felix the cat, but I love that little bag he had. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. How we get here? <laughs> we talking about dreams, that's why. Oh. Yeah. Dreams and aspirations, perhaps, I guess. Yes, yes. And if you know any, you know, about the Fields of the Cat cartoon, because I used to watch them over and over again, that he always had something unique and special in the box that was always able to help people. Oh. So does Mickey Mouse and his O-Toodles. <laughs> O-Toodles. Oh, my goodness. Cayman, you know, I'm having such an amazing, wonderful time with you. Yeah, me too. I'm having fun, too. Yeah, you my new best friend. Hey, man. <laughs> Can we do this again? Yeah, you let me know. I'm down. I will Like definitely. four flat ties. I heard Will Downey tell me the same thing one time. <laughs> what? I didn't get, I'm down like four flat tires. Oh, you didn't get that? At first I was like, huh? I'm a little slow, as you can tell. Oh, <laughs> come on, Aurelia. I mean, you got the man with the box in his hand, and and then you can't get uh, four flat tires. Don't you get that they're down on the ground? Yes, and they're not going anywhere. I got right. it. Yeah, I got that. It took a minute, but I got it. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you hang in there. Things get better. I know. You know, sometimes beauty has its uh, disadvantages. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. That's what they say. So 
where okay, you have your regular series serious XM show Heart and Soul on the Heart and Soul channel. Where else can we find and the other voiceover ventures that you have, where else can we find King? No, uh, you can find me at my house. <laughs> or at church on Sunday. Okay. No, I mean, um, look for me on, on, on television. And, you know, since we have social media, I can stay connected to people and let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. My um, my Facebook is, is Cayman Kelly. But if you don't, if you put a space in it, you're going to get a white girl, and that's not me. <laughs> so this is, cause, you know, and I know about it because somebody hit me like, this is a black guy. And I saw this thing. I was like, what is this about? And then I figured it out that if you don't put a space, if you put a space in it, she comes up. But if you don't, if you spell it all together, C A Y M A N K E L L Y, then you get me, the black guy. Okay, I thought maybe that was your alter ego. No, that's me. Okay. That, 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 the little white girl ain't me though, because I don't have no multiple personality <laughs> disorders or nothing like that. Okay. I'm just and, one. Okay, and Twitter. Twitter is at Cayman Kelly Show. So C A Y M A N K E L L Y S H O W. Okay. And then I have a website which is Cayman Kelly dot com. Okay. And do you have any other projects that you're doing that, that we would be able to kinda of check out? Well, I mean I'm working every day. And I'm doing new things each and every day. And like I see, you know, like my focus right now is is my um, television show that I'm formatting. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to let the cat out the bag. Do you like that bag? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to let all the cat out the bag right at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll definitely keep you posted with that. And I recently did a um, McDonald's commercial that you'll probably be able to hear. Okay. It went something like, let me see if I can remember the script that I read. Um, It said, there's nothing more powerful than seeing McDonald's food on television. But this is radio. So let's imagine for a second a quarter-pound beef patty, a quarter-pound beef patty hurtling end over end through a brick. I can't remember. Never mind. (laughs) But that's how it starts off. It starts off as nothing more powerful than seeing McDonald's food on television. Okay. So if you hear that particular commercial, that would be me. And then I have um, stations all across the United States of America and, and abroad. I have a station in the Bahamas that I do imaging for. My voice is all over that. Uh, one in the Cayman Islands, ironically. Cayman Islands. Cayman in the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop it. And um, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Power 1051 in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a station in Syracuse that I do. So I'll be here all night naming stuff. But then there's also TV One, of course, as you know, mm-hmm. and Bounce TV. I actually host a show called Bounce Beats and Bounce Beats Profiles on there. Okay. I want to tune into that. And, 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 and the list goes on, and, and things will continue to grow as long as God continues to bless me. Well, you seem like you have a lot of them in store for you, so we are going to watch and enjoy. Yes, do that. Most definitely. So it was such an honor and a pleasure having you. I am definitely changed. You've changed? Yeah, you've changed me. I've grown in this conversation. 
Oh my. Yes. In the, in an hour's time, you done changed. Yes, I'm now five foot three. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, how tall were you before? Five foot two. Oh my Jesus. <laughs> Baby, you put your shoes on, sugar. <laughs> Oh my, oh my, oh my. Is that time up already? I yes. talked that long. I didn't know I could talk that much. Yes, you can. And it's enjoyable conversation. I loved it. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed my damn self. <laughs> <laughs> and always in parting, I want to leave you with these words. Okay. This is the words of a dear cousin of mine. He always tells me, cook your greens on low because they burn <laughs> on high. All right, now, I will remember that one. Okay. Yes, most definitely. Thank you so, so very much. And I would love you to come back and sit with us, and we can chat some more. And I can tell you what's inside the box. Okay, let's do this then. Okay, okay. Don't talk about it, be about it. She came in on you too, feeling weak about it. <laughs> All right. So, Cayman, please, Thank you. I want to thank my listeners for taking the time out to sit with us and enjoy this whole conversation. I want to thank Mary Moore for this excellent, wonderful, amazing opportunity. She is just a joy and a pleasure and an amazing woman. Yes, and Yes, indeed. And, Cayman, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for making our um, beginning of Black History, well, Black Music History Month, a really interesting one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, with this conversation and discussion. Excellent. So you be well, and we will definitely keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you again, Aurelia. You're welcome. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, that's our show for today. And please join us on Saturday when we will have, I guess, a real estate straight talk with Sharon Homer and Joe Bellardo, and they will have a gentleman from the Delaware RIA, which is the Real Estate Investment Association, so you can learn how to join one and what they do. Have a wonderful evening, be well, and take great care of yourselves. Thank you. That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live. Hurry into Old Navy today and tomorrow to get jeans for the whole family on sale. Just $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Plus, starting today, redeem your super cash to save even more at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Super cash valid 6-3 to 6-11. Jeans valid 6-3 to 6-4. Select styles only. Hurry into Old Navy today and tomorrow to get jeans for the whole family on sale. Just $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Plus, starting today, redeem your super cash to save even more at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Super cash valid 6-3 to 6-11. Jeans valid 6-3 to 6-4. Select styles only. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.